Lions fans. This is the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where the Kool-Aid runs blue. Faces turn red. And rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, now, two guys who sip a beer faster than Aaron Rodgers chugs one. Chris and the Riz. Hey, ho, Lions fans. Welcome to the Detroit Lions Podcast, episode 407. This is your post-draft grading show for the Detroit Lions. Huge, huge show after a huge, huge show after a huge, huge show after a huge, huge draft. It was crazy. I am your dashing host, Chris. Oh, I got to tell you, this is the official Detroit Lions Podcast for Reddit. I am your dashing host, Chris. And with me is a renewed man, a man who found himself tons of... What is it? Lycopene, glucosamine, and has regenerated both hips, both knees, and that beautiful face. Jeff, the Riz Rizden. How you doing, brother? <laughs> it is good to be with you. You know, it was just such an incredible weekend. It, it made me think so much about like drafts past and like how how much fun it's been to cover the draft over the years and all the different like Lions picks of all the time and you know, trying to sort in my head, you know, like where we were and you know, all the memories of, of drafts pass and the time that I was in Las Vegas for the draft. And it was just like, just such a wonderful time to be with everybody. And, you know, thinking about all the, you know, the, the Avion caissons of the world and Andre Fluellens and. All right. All right. All right. Marinara. Let's, let's, let's hold it off there. Let's hold it off there. Okay. Let's get on with the show. All right, we're going to review the draft today. I love that. I, w- I was going to wear purple, but I couldn't do it. Uh, I'm going to review the, <laughs> the draft today. We're going to cover some UDFAs. We're going to go deep dive in the UDFAs next show. Nick the Greek, thank you, brother. And a whole lot more. we got a great show lined up. Riz the Marinara Man, you ready to go, bro? <laughs> we need the Hillsman Blues theme song playing in the background. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Let's do it. Let's kick this off and break it down. All right, let's get it. Oh my god, I got you know. I love throwing the comments up. Some of them I like more than the other. Look at that, Chris looks great. Great. <laughs> How do I get that? How do I get that? But in there is Riz is looking dapper, and uh, Chris has your liver recovered. Yes, I'm back at it. As a matter of fact, it is Cinco de Mayo, and we it was in, in honor of Cinco de Mayo. Oh, I'm you. bored. You know we enjoy making our, our, our drinks over here. we got our game day drinks, and we like to do them the right way. I have a margarita. It's going to be a little different than what most of you folks are specking. I'm going to give you a very interesting little tip. If you're going to drink a margarita, it should be Honolulu Blue. Mm. That, my friends, yeah. is the perfect margarita. How would one make a blue margarita? You can do this with any margarita, guys. First off, I'll just tell you. Instead of triple sec, blue carousel. Yeah, that's the magic trick. Same stuff, same taste, same great flavor, way better color, and you can be a Lions fan. This one, I'm going to just give you guys a, the run right real quick. Half an ounce of agave syrup, one ounce of lime juice, half ounce of blue carousel, one and a half ounces of tequila, and two dashes of orange bitters. And there you go, the perfect margarita. All right, guys, that's it. We'll get things going here. Let's get into the draft. Let's get into the Lions. I'm going to be Mexican lager. We've got Armadillo from Arbor Brewing. Um, very good, very good smooth beer. 
Um, I'm very partial to Pacifico of the more macro brands, but yeah. uh, this is good too. I get, you know, I see Armadillo and I, I realize I never, it took me about three years before I saw my first one in Florida. I didn't realize we had Armadillos here and and now they're all over the place. It's not, I didn't either. Yeah. Armadillos. Oh, I, we, we actually had one uh, about the second week that we had lived in Texas. We had one digging in our bed <laughs> and I had no idea that they were that furry on the underside. Your flower like, bed, like, right? Wow, there's a lot of fur coming out of that bed, boy, like underneath the shell and everything. Um, you mean the flower the bed, right? I ever saw a live one. The rest of them were all dead. When you said it was digging in your bed, you meant the flower bed, right? Yes, flower bed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, and, and to, to their credit, thank God for them, they eat fire ants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're, 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 they're good. They're really creepy looking. My wife yeah. coming home just the day before yesterday got stopped, took a video of it. 10 foot alligator. <laughs> It was nice enough to use the crosswalk, but it rolled right across, right across. She had to like stop. Crosswalk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it rolled right across. And then we, you know, it's like a mile and a half from the house. Like, holy crap. Like, and we just lived down, you know, where the roundabout is, right? It, it's down there. Yeah. It would use the crosswalk. Couldn't get to the roundabout. Then last night, we're sitting there at dinner, looking out back, get a big old bobcat go bouncing through the backyard. It's it's wild kingdom out here for those who, who remember that. Okay, we got a lot going. Let's talk lions, 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 lions. And let's not do the. Well, it was Animal King. Was it? It was Wild Kingdom with Mutual of Omaha. That was it. Right? Yeah, Lauren Perkins. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. He's our version of David Attenborough. All right. Let's first talk about the <laughs> the Detroit Lions draft. This was, and, and hey, folks, Good. love you guys. Thank you so much in the chat for all the stuff you're doing. This is a tough week to get in. I have to tell you. This week at work has just ground me down. Yesterday, we wanted to go live and, and do the show, but we couldn't because work just got in my way. I, I, I was still working when the show should have been going on. I was exhausted. It's been like that all week. It's been like that for a couple of weeks, but the draft break and all that Jaeger helped me out. Um, but happy Cinco de Mayo, Justin. Please hit the like and subscribe if you're there. You guys are rocking. Um, the draft. Uh, David, he says, love the shows. Let's go Lions. A grade for the draft. We'll talk about that. We'll see what we got. I just want to start off with the sense I got walking away. Besides the Jaeger buzz, (laughs) the idea that this was so much better feeling than the pair that touched our touched us in our fandom before. But last year, even right. It was so confusing coming out of the draft. It's like Anzarike. McNeil. Okay, what are we doing here? Like, we need a wide receiver, right? And it, we didn't know. We we didn't know what we were doing. And it was like, we absolutely need COVID. The whole thing definitely need another year to start evaluating. But now I feel like I'm starting to get a sense. And I'm really starting to like what I see. Where, where are you at, Riz? Kind of generally overall. I think we have a much better feel for the direction of the team and of the men who are in control of that vision and choosing the players that that choose that destiny. And I think we're feeling better about them now than we were at this point last year. Um, Anzarike was a a curious pick. Um, It still looks that way a year later. Some of that's on injury, but some of that's on him too. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I I think what, what, what I really liked this year was they went and got aggressive like like a lot of people were like oh we need so many things and i'm like the number one thing that i wrote down for lions team needs was they need impact talent mm, dude doesn't matter where they need like future all pros dudes. on somewhere besides the offensive line because right now that's the only place where there are all pros and there might be four of them mm-hmm. but they needed 
they needed dogs, man. <laughs> and, and they got two big dogs yeah. in the first round. And they, they, they stuck to their guns at two and they got aggressive and went up and got Jameson at 12. And I, I actually, just before the show, I was on with our friend uh, Dave Schultz down in Mobile talking a little bit about Jamison Williams, and they are uh, ecstatic at the fit that he gives the Lions and uh, how much, like, like they didn't have to sell me on it. Like, they were they were selling, like, they were trying to sell me on it. Like, dude, I'm, I'm there, man. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Does, does, do, dare I say, there's a phrase that kind of comes to mind, and it may ring a bell when I say it for you guys. Bold moves. Old moves. That's what that trade to 12 was. And I think that panned out plus 230, 240. I can't remember which one it is on the the uh, value chart. Uh, I think it was 16% value take away from the Vikings. Bold move to step uh, at nobody wanted. Oh, we just need more picks. Oh, we need more picks. That was a big pick. That was a big pick. And he's supposed to be ready. For training camp, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. I want to yeah, talk will. really we'll quick see. about the front office. We've got a. I'm going to put together a video here in the next couple of days. Uh, I got some work I got to do for Jerry and the Seatbelt Gang side. Seatbeltgang.com. Check that out. Great, great merch to help support uh, a bunch of uh, charities in Detroit and some some good folks. Um, I'm going to put together a video about leadership, and I think I've got a really good handle on where this this team is. I've talked a little bit about. It. I know a lot of people kind of have enjoyed some of the the kind of uh, translation of leadership and what they're doing in that front office and, 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 and kind of get an idea of that. So I'm going to put a video together that here in the next couple of days, it'll be, you know, eight, 10, 12, something minutes, somewhere, somewhere around there, but to give you guys a nice bite-sized chunk about what I see from this front office and what, how it translated into the draft picks and what they're doing. Cause a lot of people have asked about that, but with that, do you want to talk about the draft is, or do you just want to call it a show at this point? I can drink more we'll margaritas. Talk about the draft a little bit. We only did, <laughs> So we were live. Um, I was with you for about four hours Friday night of a, I think you guys went six hours and 10 minutes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> God bless you and Ash, man. You guys, you guys did a great job. Um, I enjoyed going along with the, for the ride with you guys for a while. Yeah. Great. But we need to talk about day three and we got to, we got like now that we've had a little time to burp and settle on, on what happened in the first two days, I think we have a little bit better idea of how to process that too. Yes. Yes. That was a lot of fun. I got to tell you, I don't mind doing the shows, especially when I've got that much Jaeger in the veins. But the, the, those long shows, you get into it, and I, and I really enjoy it. And the interaction with the folks in the chat really, really is awesome. I appreciate you folks and, and what you, you guys bring. You can't so do fun. that long without having some interaction and some feedback going along, some back and forth with it. It's because uh, I'll tell you, I, I've done pre-records of radio shows that, that last three hours on the air. Ooh. It's brutal. By like the fourth segment, we're like, oh, my God, I got to keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> Don H. nails it. After that draft, the only depression you should feel is the depression on that like button. Give it a push. Enjoy the ride. Oh, Hit the subscribe oh, that's button. Good, Don. Don's good. Don's good. All right, let's get into it. Let's reveal the players. We're going to do it. Bottoms up. It's Cinco de Mayo. We've got our margaritas and our Armadillo. Armadillo. We're going to go bottoms up. We will start. We'll tap it. We'll start at the bottom like we do with the ladies. The first pick is Chase Lucas and a German friend. He said, no, no, no. He was like, we, we, you know, you always cheers ahead of a, a what do you drink, right? What do you get a new, new drink? And he's like, no, no, no. We hit our glasses at the bottom like our women. <laughs> We need to go to Germany. 
<laughs> All right. Number seven, defensive back Chase Lucas. <laughs> Start there. All right, Riz. Day one player. Top, you know, starter, top of the, the, the depth chart at number seven. I, I don't know how you could have done better. If you're Brad Holmes, you've got you've got guys, you, you pick two edges, they're fighting to start. Who's number one? You don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. Okay. Chase Lucas, what do you got for us, brother? <laughs> so I, I, I will freely acknowledge I did not scout him this season. Uh, I did watch some Arizona State. I primarily watched for their, they have an offensive lineman and they had a linebacker. Uh, and Lucas was part of the wallpaper for my watching on that. So, and I still haven't, I haven't had time to get back and sit back and watch him much, but I had one note scribbled on him and I said that he was leggy in coverage. That's literally the only note I had on him. So I will be learning about Chase Lucas. Um, it won't happen this weekend because uh, my son's AAU team is hosting the tournament and I have volunteered and I will be water boy for the officials all weekend, <laughs> but uh, I will get into it next week. Uh, my schedule dies down quite a bit then. Um, and I will have uh, detailed scouting reports on all these guys. But Chase Lucas was a bit of a mystery to me. Uh, and it was a guy, um, I, I, I asked a couple people, I asked, I asked Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network about him. I asked Luke Easterling from DraftWire about him. I asked our friend Emery Hunt about him. Um, and the feedback that I got on all of them was like, that's about where he wanted, where he should have gone. Uh, that he's, you know. He was in the that, Shrine Bowl, right? He was. Let me he was. let me do some decoding of the Riz secret language and evaluation chart. When you say he's leggy, what does that mean? That means that he has trouble changing direction and getting going quickly. Uh, when you're leggy, um, and and if you've ever watched my son play basketball, you know this. He's six foot nine. His legs are thirty eight inches long. It takes him a little bit of time to get going, and it takes him some time to flip his hips. Um, he's blessed with greasy hips. Thank God he got his wife's, got my wife's hips instead of mine. But, uh, Chase Lucas is kind of a tighter hipped guy. Um, just watching him movement. Uh, he's not, he's not stiff. I'm not calling him stiff, but he is not like, like if you go back and you remember Amani Orowarie when he was at the combine, oh, how yeah. instantaneous his hips flipped when he was doing the drill. That's not Chase Lucas. So I'm, I don't know, and, and again, I'm just saying this off, off of what other people have told me about him. I'm not sure he makes the team as a rookie. I think this might be a uh, a long-term stash. He was a, He's definitely a culture fit. Just looking at his bio from Arizona State, three-time team captain. This is a guy who was an academic overachiever in school, smart guy, hardworking guy, leader. Um, you're going to hear a lot of that tonight. You're going to hear a lot of that. <laughs> That's one of the big takeaways that we all have from the weekend was that there, there, there's a type of player that, that they gravitate to, and this is it. Now, if Jerry's healthy, if Jeff Okuda's healthy, and he looked fantastic in the video clips that he's posted, he's not better than those guys. He's not better than Oro Warrior. He's not taking Iffy's job. He's still got A.J. Parker. He's still got Mike Hughes. Somebody's got to play the slot. It sure as heck isn't going to be Lucas. So I don't know where he fits on the 53-man roster. Now, let me do this. Let me do this because this was pick 237 overall. Right. Last year, our seventh-round pick was 257 overall. And you're the Lions. Let's let's just say you have Jamar Jefferson and Chase Lucas available this year at at the same state Jamar was uh, last year at the draft. Who do you prefer to pick? Um, I, well, because I knew who Jefferson was better. Um, I would take him, mm. even though I was strongly yeah. against taking a running back and yeah. 
Thank God they didn't take a running back this year. I, Hallelujah. I'm, actually, I'm very surprised by that reaction because I I like the idea of taking a shot on a DB over a running back. Um, and, and when I think about number seven, you know, pick 237 in the draft, I'm not sure you're, you're getting, you know, you're getting not the run to the litter, but you're not getting the pick of the litter either. Right. And I think that they found a guy like you said, who's a smart fella. Smart fella, Jesus Christ! A smart guy. Uh, <laughs> he's a smart guy. Um, has some some potential. Uh, maybe can can be built up and is one of those guys. They only picked up two cornerbacks, two defensive backs at all. Both cornerbacks. One, on one the, of the things on that the you like phase, is that he so. played in the college program where Herm Edwards was the coach for a while. Marvin Lewis was affiliated with it, so he's had NFL style coaching in his background, and that is important. I think that's something that will prepare him for life in the NFL better than, than a guy coming out of, I don't know, Colorado state, something like that. Like, you know, where there, where there just isn't that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, I, I'm not saying it's a bad pick, but I'm just saying, I don't, I don't know where the room is for it. I would have actually preferred that one of the UDFAs that we're going to talk about would have been picked there rather than Lucas. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Let's walk up a little bit. Let's get to the sixth round. We got a pair of picks. Um, okay. Thanks, Brandon. I will check that out. Uh, we got a pair of picks in the sixth round. The first one we'll get to, and I, you know, so I got, I got my numbers mixed up here, my friend. I, I apologize. Um, James Houston, where did we pick him overall? I don't, I don't have that number right. That's where I'm at. So I should know this. I, I've typed it like 25 times. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know it later too. in the sixth. Yeah, yeah. 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 So let's just say 210. <laughs> Anyway, that works, right? 210, somewhere 210-ish, 200-ish. Yeah, 2-11 maybe? Yeah. I don't know. All right, yeah. so James Houston, Jackson State. I should know it. He's a linebacker. Everybody was was in on linebackers. Look, before we go any further, <laughs> Riz, I want to, on behalf of all the people that won't, Houston was 217, Mark thinks. I want to apologize on those people that rode you about saying the Lions are not going to pick a linebacker before day three. They were wrong. They were absolutely wrong. Riz was right. And the, the, the crap you took from people was just, it was, it was, it was insane. And this is what I like. Normally I'm like, Twitter's crap. People are idiots, whatever. It's, it's what people are yeah. idiots everywhere. But this one really stuck in my craw for some reason, right? Because it's like, why are you so angry? If Riz right. is wrong, which I didn't think you were, but if he is, where did you, where were you touched? Show me on the doll. Right. Why are you so irrationally angry about this? Right. It, it was weird to me. The, the, me the, the venom that came out for people, for me, stating not my opinion, but what I was told directly from people that are in charge of making those decisions. <laughs> Crazy. Like, it's not that hard, people. It really isn't. They liked their linebackers. That's a direct quote from a coach on the team. We like them. They're good. That, that 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 is a direct quote. I can even show you the text if you want me to from the person who might may or may not be coaching them. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, like it was just it was wild to me. Look, I look. I understand that Lions fans are frustrated with the linebacker play. I, I was too. I would have taken one earlier. I absolutely would. I would have taken one at sixty six. No, not, not a question in my mind. Obviously I didn't have that pick, but there were a couple of guys that I would have taken there. Uh, I'm very happy with the ones that they got, but yeah, it it was weird how 
how like god awful rude people got it was so i just uh, i just between that and me consistently harping on that they were not interested in malik willis at two um they passed on him at 46 and uh i was told reliably they would have passed on him at 97 if he was still on the board too they were not taking him they did not see him that way period Everybody in Detroit, myself, Justin Rogers, Kyle Meinke, Ben Raven, Dave Burkett, we all had the same message for you all the entire time. The entire time. We're like, it's not happening. Like, move on from it. And and I, I will give uh, – so um, Thor Nystrom from uh, – what's the ad now? NBC, Sports Edge, whatever they call it. Yeah. Um, Thor is a friend, uh, a good friend. I, I spent a lot of time with him uh, in the draft season. We talk almost daily. Um, I had a very good conversation with him after the draft where he, like, I don't want to say he apologized, but he didn't, he, <laughs> that looks good. He didn't really need to apologize because he was never rude to me, mm-hmm. but like he, he was one of the big cheerleaders for the Malik Willis at two movement. And he realized, um, he realized the day before the, the Wednesday, last Wednesday, that it wasn't going to happen and tried to let people down on it. And the only thing I will say from it is that I hope that one of the lessons that Lions fans learned this year is to listen to the local people who are actually talking to people in Allen Park and have access to the players and the coaches and the scouts rather than people from afar. Um, you know, Thor lives in, in Minneapolis. He is a Vikings fan, by the way. Yeah. Not, not, not that you should hold that against him, but all, all of the, all of the noise about, taking a linebacker early and Malik Willis didn't come from us came from outside forces put one and one together and it should make two for you because this is a second year in a row where the national pundits have been grossly wrong about what the Detroit Lions are going to do and most of us locals got at least a, some of it right I'd just That's like all to I'm gonna say on it yeah and I'd like to say even amongst the locals this is this is the time when you you it's it's if you really want to feel informed and get it you go back and think about the people that told you the things that were right and the things that were wrong and you start saying oh you know what it's it's kind of like hockey you don't get up and retaliate right away right you get up you get the number and you check it out for later there's some people you want to take out of your world. There's some you want to put in. That's you when can, you put your fourth line in an attack. <laughs> exactly. You can get your, 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 you know where to get the right words, the right news from the people that have a little something to know versus people that are just throwing spaghetti against the wall. So with that, James Houston, and I don't want to knock on it because I, I really, really like this pick. This is uh this is a good pick. I think at linebacker. He's a Florida Gator. Yeah. Number one, first and foremost, played at, at Florida. All his highlights for Florida. They the they couldn't get it from Jackson State in time to put the package together on the Lions website. But oh, wait, that's not the Lions' fault. That's Jackson State's fault, yep. and more specifically, that's Deion Sanders' son's fault because mm-hmm. he was put in a position where he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. It happens. I work with some people like that sometimes. Um, my former boss. But James Houston comes in linebacker, played really well at Florida. His highlight reel, and I know you don't watch highlights to evaluate a guy, but his highlight reel is strong at Florida. James Houston, he's not going to come in. He's not going to knock um, anybody off the off the roster, but he's going to start getting playing time. And this training camp, he's going to have a real opportunity to do something. This guy brings something, and he could be a long-term piece of this puzzle. 
Yeah, he strikes me as the guy who's going to push out Tavante Beckett and Anthony Pittman and maybe Rashad Berry because at Jackson State, he was a pass rusher. He was a 230-pound edge. He was greasy, right? I yeah. mean, he could he could find the gap and he could squeeze in and the guy could move. The guy could move. Yeah, an, an, another, another smart guy. A very like he, he reminded me, you know, who, and I hate to do this because they're both Florida. He reminds me of like a Jared Davis kind of a speed guy, except with mm-hmm. brains. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I know that's what came out wrong. You know what that, I mean? that, that, that that came out. He has bet, a better football aptitude of how to use his physicality than what Jared did. Thank you. Um, and and Ernie Sims was the same way to to go Florida State. Like, like that guy was an incredible athlete, but dude, like he, well, first off, he reacted to every single stimuli that was on the field around him. He, I know a teammate called him squirrel because he was like the, the dog seeing the squirrel, like, oh, I got to react to that. And he would react to everything and do nothing. Um, Jared Davis has a little bit of that to him. James Houston doesn't have that. His problem is, is that he doesn't know how to slow down. He will run past the play mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. You got to harness that. there's there's useful athleticism there yeah i don't think he's going to play much as a linebacker i think this is actually one of the questions that we have for when we get time with brad and and dan next week during minicamp uh we we do get a day can't publicly reveal what day that is but uh we get a day with them and uh that's one of the things we're gonna ask is like what's the plan for him is it going to be an off-ball linebacker is it going to be an edge are you going to put some weight on him is it going to be a hybrid or is this a guy that you have a as a culture fit who's going to be a demon on special teams? And if that's all he is, it's still a good pick in the sixth round. Yeah. Uh, because this, again, really smart guy. This is a guy who graduated from Florida before he he transferred and and like was a very good student. I believe he was he was honorable mention academic all SEC twice. Um, a theme here. <laughs> that's a big thing. He's a leadership. And uh, I, I, lo- I love his nickname, The Problem, or The Problem, however you want to call it. Yeah. Yep. Like, he, he's 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 going to let you know he's on the field. Yep. And I think that's one of the best things you can say about a late-round pick is that the, he had distinguishing characteristics as a player. He is, um, to, to go Megadeth, high-speed dirt. He's going to hit you, yeah. and you're going to know it, and you're going to be in the dirt, and he might be in the dirt with you, and he might run past you and and create some dirt of his own. But it, I, I liked it. I, I liked the aggressiveness on it. And uh, I, I have been able to actually catch a couple of Jackson State games. I um, watched their game against Florida A&M while we were scouting Marquise Bell, who went undrafted, uh, yep. safety a lot of people wanted and liked. Yep. I did, too. Let me um, just really quick. He's, get- he's, he's, got, he's got good tape, Chris. This this kid has a chance. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I got, I, got, I got a call and and left a message while we were talking. I This is the message. You've had enough of that shit. I apologize straight up, Jared Davis. That's I, My words did not say what I meant. What was in my head? <laughs> you know what I mean? I did not mean yeah. to insinuate that he was not a smart guy. And I just want to make sure that that's, that's clear because yeah. I, I, I'm a Jared Davis fan. You know what I mean? I had, I have been for a long time. And when he came back, I was happy. So well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll I'm tell gonna, you that Houston could be taking his job. Yeah. That, that, that's yeah. a very real possibility. Yep. 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 They're, yep. they're all in that competition blender. The other linebackers that I mentioned, Beckett, Pittman, um, uh, Jared Davis. Um, you could throw uh, Chris Moore is probably safe, but uh, there's somebody else that I'm blanking on. Yep. Um, that's not Anzalone or Barnes. That's um, Anzalone. Yeah. There, there's there's another one who's like a depth player that I'm, I'm blanking on. But okay. yeah, this was this was 
they're competing for one or two roster spots there out of five or six guys. William LaPratt, thank you. Uh, he, he read your USFA, UDFA, I think, article from TCU. We'll talk about him very shortly. Yep. Uh, I think Jarvis in the long run uh, is a much better candidate to start in a couple of years. Chris, I like the linebacker from Jackson State. Thank you, William. Appreciate that. Uh, we're going to move up uh, to pick number this is right. 113 overall, Malcolm Rodriguez. Am I, am I drunk or am I? No, I'm not drunk. I'm, that's, that's, he was 173, maybe? Yeah, that might be right. God, I have, to, I have I to go back to myself. I, I apologize. Six, Malcolm Rodriguez from Oklahoma, linebacker. This, I, I, I have to say, uh, if we think back to, um, yeah, that's what it was. Derek Barnes was 113 last year. That's what it was. Um, Malcolm Rodriguez. Um, this is a guy with a future. First linebacker we took. If you guys haven't been able to tell, we're working our way up the up the list here. Um, this is a guy that has a potential future. Not a giant guy, if I remember correctly, but he hits like a freaking hammer, and he maybe deserves the the hammer nickname much much more than our previous draft pick under uh, Mr. Coach Schwartz, right? <laughs> yeah. So. This is the guy that I know pretty well. I watch a lot of Oklahoma State football, and Oklahoma State was a weird Big 12 team in that they tried to win with defense, and this guy was the ringleader of it. And he ringleader is the proper term to refer to Malcolm Rodriguez. He is a, he is a green dot helmet guy. This, this is another guy, two-time academic all-conference, smart guy, smart football guy incredible leadership and if you, you watch any game of him playing just look look where the ball is and he's going to be there like he, he has he has such good feel for what's going to happen his, his playing style will remind you of chris spielman now he's smaller he's 511 230 mm-hmm. um short arms and is not as fast in, in either a straight line or um, uh, cutting across angles as Spielman. Is it, is it, is, isn't it natural for a guy to pick up three inches and longer arms with NFL nutrition and, uh, and conditioning? Oh, we can hope. We can hope. But yeah, this, this guy, he has just an incredible open field tackler. Downhill, head up, and he tackles exactly the way that the NFL sends out the videos of how you're supposed to tackle. Look through the guy, shoulder, head up, Lift, drop, sink your weight, don't land on him, throw him to the side. That's Malcolm Rodriguez. This guy is going to play for a long time in the NFL. I'm ecstatic for it. I'm more than a little happy that I called it back in November when I was previewing the Bedlam game. I said, this, ladies and gentlemen, this is your Lions sixth round pick. And I got it. (laughs) (laughs) I really, really like this. This, this is, this is a great pick. Yeah. Uh, this, this was certainly the best player that was on the board, um, especially concerning the needs. And this is the range where they were going to take a linebacker, and I am ecstatic they got Malcolm Rodriguez. I love this guy. <laughs> I love him. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he, he's good. And his, his, his attitude, um, it's just, it's, it's, it's something really, really nice. I really, really like this attitude he brings. And uh, I think he's going to, he's going to uh, contribute very, very quickly to this team. Now, part of that is when we look at it, who do we have at linebacker, right? I mean, we have who we have. That doesn't diminish who Malcolm Rodriguez is at that position. I want to, I want to make sure. Um, 
he's the kind of guy, I mean, he probably in the right space, you know, in the right world, he could have gone around earlier. Um, he's, he's got a lot of talent. He brings a lot, uh, to the game. I'm really, really interested in seeing what he has in training camp and OTAs this year. Uh, work, by the way, we're working on some of that and we'll, we'll talk about some of that in a little bit, but good pick in Malcolm Rodriguez. I want to keep rolling Riz. We gotta, we're, we're gonna bounce yep. through this. Gonna yep. step up to, uh, pick number. I've got my numbers now. 177 overall. James Mitchell out of Virginia Tech tight end. Um, holy free holies. If we think about it, I think think last year it was well it wasn't nearly as far down but okay so we got james mitchell a tight end what's your thoughts about uh about him and what he brings to the team this was a guy and and both dane brugler from the athletic and kyle krabs our, our friend from the draft network both said it this was a third round pick until he got hurt this is a receiving tight end. He can play some H-back as your move tight end. He can line up as your fullback. It's probably not the best use for him. But this guy, he is he is an upgrade over Brock Wright or Shane Zilstra or insert seven other tight ends who are still on the roster for at least the next five minutes. Um, by the way, that's if you're going to see roster trimming, and you will be very shortly, it's going to be some of it's going to be tight ends. Uh, he's, he's a, he's a very interesting prospect. He can block. He needs some technical work. I, th- I think, uh, having time with Hank Fraley, working with him on, on the intricacies of blocking is going to help him a lot. He is not an inline guy. And that's the one concern that I have for a number two tight end was that I wanted somebody who could be a little bit better of a blocking presence. Mm-hmm. He's not bad at it. He just needs work at it. And like, he's got the size of six foot two or six, four, pretty long arms, 250 Five two fifty four pounds. I think he yep. played at two forty nine. Um, really good red zone target. That was one of the things that stood out at Virginia Tech. He can go up and he can create space for himself up. When you're being guarded by a five eleven safety and you're a six foot four and you can jump up and dunk the ball over the goalpost, which he likes to do after he scores touchdowns, <laughs> you can use that. Yeah, I mean. Again, the, the 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 big guys. I always and, and I'm sorry, Riz. You told me the story, and I can't ever let it go. I think of the big tight ends. I think of the guys that like to hit on on Mrs. Risden, and I <laughs> I think, hey, you know what? They're a red zone target, and and the story. That's it. And um, I can't believe that guy, Mister Trip over a dog and playing volleyball. How do you trip over a dog while you're playing volleyball? That's the thing I don't understand. I, uh, dog, dogs on the volleyball court are dangerous, man. They pee on that sport court. So I'm slick now. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. Um, lot, lot going on in the in the chat. Thank you, folks. Look, there's almost 200 people here and only 53 likes. I, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. Thanks, y'all. Hit, hit that like button if you would. Help us out. We appreciate when you do that. That gives the, the show a little bit of a boost. Gets people out there to find it and helps us keep doing what we do and do our thing. So hit the like button. And if you like what you beyond just hitting the like button, because that's easy. That's free. If you want to see some more and we've got a lot more coming, go ahead and uh, subscribe because uh, we, we get a lot for you. Hit, hit. Let's get us up to 70 likes. Let's do that. Okay, guys. All right. Um, James Mitchell. One, tight one, end. Quick, one more quick thing on Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he tore his ACL in, I think it was the last week of September. He should be fine to go at the beginning of training camp from everything I've been told. So, so we're getting a lot of that in this, in this guys who are going to be fine by training camp. Guys who were on the team last year who are going to be fine by training camp. Guys who we drafted who are going to be fine by training camp. Number 39, maybe? Uh, a, a 50% hit rate. I'm telling you, 39 is going to be okay by hit. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Um, a 50% hit rate on that makes us a pretty good team. So I'm going to leave that with that. Um, okay. 
So James Mitchell, love it at a tight end. We also picked up Derek Deese from San Jose State, which is a great place to pick up uh, a tight end. And Nolan Given from Southeastern Louisiana, two other tight ends, potential blocking guys, potential to fill in that spot. And let's also not forget, future all-pro, all-star, all-American Brock Wright, still rolling around <laughs> at the tight end position. Yes, he, he's, he's your solid leader for the number three tight end, and they will absolutely keep three. And I will tell you, just don't dismiss the UDFAs. These are guys that last year got a shot to play. And of course we had a lot of injuries. I recognize that, but Brock Wright was one of those UDFAs tight end last year, came in, made a difference, got some crucial touchdowns this year, played, made some, made some big plays, made a name for himself. He's here because of the shot he got uh, as a UDFA last year. So um, I'm okay. I'm okay. And yes, we can think of Cabinda in a way as a tight end as well. There's a lot of, and I'm going to use this word, this touch you in the fandom word. Multiple, a lot of multiple here. Uh, Kyle, thank you for the subscription. Appreciate you. Also, don't forget about the the super chat, folks. That really helped us out as well. Appreciate that. All right. Um, let's get on from James Mitchell. Let's get to this. Was this is a, a spot that I wanted to pick earlier in the draft? This is a spot that at one point I wanted to take number two overall in the draft this position, and I waffled. I waffled. I changed my mind, and, and we can evolve. That's one of the things. I think that's really important. Thanks for all the subs. You folks are awesome. Um, that's an important thing is to be able to, with new data, change your position. We got our safety, number three overall, and that was position 101, Kirby Joseph out of Illinois. Um, that's, if you think back to the year before, uh, we got Iffy at, at 101. We got Kirby here at 97, 97th overall. Sorry. So, here we are with Kirby Joseph, 97th overall, right around the same place we got ourselves um, Iffy last year. I'm a little bit higher on Kirby than I am on Iffy, and Iffy looked look good when he played. Once Iffy, once Iffy figured out what he was doing, he looked fine, and, and the arrow's definitely pointing off for him. I'm a huge Kirby Joseph fan. and I, As you know, Chris, in my draft evaluations, one of the things that I like is guys who take a leap when they have a coaching change. Yep. And when Lovey Smith was coaching at Illinois, Kirby Joseph was just like one of those guys like, okay, he runs really fast, but they don't really know what they have. They figured out what they had in him last year at Illinois, and he played much better. He played almost every snap. He's a, he's a speed guy. He is a twitch guy. He is a former high school volleyball letterman, which obviously earns bonus points for me. <laughs> uh, he's, he's got ball skills. They, they've used him at wide receiver before. Like, this is a guy who can really catch the ball. I think he had five interceptions. He is a coverage-oriented safety. He's not a great tackler. For those of you who wanted like the the antithesis of, of Will Harris, you're not getting that. You're getting half of it. He's your coverage safety. He, he's 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 he will try in the run game as Will Harris does. I'm not going to dog Will on that, but he's not the best at tackling angles or at just like driving through people. Like he's going to make some arm tackles and like he's better at tackling the wide receiver after the catch. But in terms of the run game. You're not going to you're not going to probably like Kirby Joseph all that much as a rookie. You're going to like him because he's going to shut down a third of the field in coverage and reliably understands how to help if Iffy or Jerry or Jeff or Amani need help over the top. He can do that and do it a lot better and more alertly and adroitly than anybody that we've had since Quandary Diggs. And let's talk about what that that 
that back that, that secondary looks like right now. You've got Tracy Walker, right? And you're only running two two linebackers. You got Tracy Walker. You got um Deshaun Deshaun Elliott. Elliott, thank you. Brain it's the blue in the margaritas. If you drink a normal margarita, really your brain is. works, but the blue breaks them. Deshaun Elliott. Tracy Walker, you got, uh, let's say Okuda, let's say Jacobs, let's say uh, Oruwarie, right? You got some, now your linebacker kind of guy. Is is it Kirby? Is he rolling in there or is he shutting down a third of the field? I mean, you suddenly have a whole lot of options. What about Iffy, right? You have options right. with Iffy. Um, there's a lot of options on where to put these guys and move them around. And there's a lot of depth. I really like this. I like how they formulated this. This this secondary and how I hate to say I'm going to use the word again multiple right a little bit of plug and play a little bit of flexibility right a little bit of here or there a little bit I'm going to do this and Will Harris I mean as a as a number three or number four at cornerback and at safety what that's a hell of a player to have right there Will Harris is a great player cornerback if Will Harris is your fifth cornerback and your fourth safety hell yeah man give me that yeah and he like I want that that's a great role for him. Exactly. And then the next couple of picks, we're going to talk about what we did to the defensive line. And we can hear about what happened with uh, Anzarike and some of the feedback we're hearing about him. This this means a lot. This defense could be in, in just two years. I want I want folks right now just to think back to the end of Matt Patricia's regime as to what that defense was. What a tire fire in a dumpster that defense actually was and think about what you're looking at right now and the potential i mean even last year was was a massive improvement but think about now with these guys healthy and like again on Zurique, if he if he comes to what he's supposed to be and we're hearing he could be we're seeing okuda tape of his recovery and the work that he's doing looking pretty strong looking pretty good jerry i'm telling you talking to him He's coming along strong. My guy's going to be ready for training camp. We got some really, really good talent and the potential to have a nasty-ass defense. I'm loving this two-year complete flip of the burger on this thing. They're so much more functionally football athletics than they were. And and I I don't mean that as an insult to, obviously, to buy. I do a little bit there. But it's like Trey Flowers. Um, And... Um, Jer- Jermaine Curse and and uh, Deron Harmon and guys like that who who have come and gone and needed to go. There's a lot more youthful leg and and energy and just versatility. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the fact that if he can play inside or outside and and could eventually transition to safety, you know, we, we talked to Jerry last year. Like um, he didn't want to go to safety and. Good call on Jerry's part, by the way. He, he belonged outside. He believed in himself, and he did it. Good for you, Jerry. Hundred percent, bro. I mean, well, yeah. I, I asked him that. He was he was almost insulted. I'm like, oh crap. Yeah, but he yeah. Was no, right. He was like, we when we when we asked Matt, and that's the August interview with Jerry. He was like, uh, uh-uh. uh. And and just so you know, we'll have Jerry on the next two or three weeks. Here, he's gonna he's gonna come up and start digging yeah. in and take you back to where he was last year and what some of these young guys are thinking and what they're yeah. trying to absorb right now and walk you through kind of what's yeah. in their head. Go ahead, Riz. Sorry. Yeah, but, but yeah, just the, the ability to, to like, we're going to talk about some guys who can play a lot of James Houston can play as a backup edge. If you want to in, in a package where the opposing team has two running backs on the field um, and don't put that past Minnesota. Uh, don't, don't put that past green Bay. Like he can play as the edge who can carry one of those guys in coverage down the field. And he's a bigger body than a safety. So if they do try to run it inside, he's got a little bit more bulk on him than what a Brady Breeze would have. 
Um, and Brady Breeze, by the way, is still your number three safety or four safety. Um, yep. That's good luck, Brady Breeze. Brady Breeze is probably the best quarterback tandem, tandem in the NFL. Okay. <laughs> Let's yeah. <move> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with Kirby Joseph. I'm, I, I, I wanted coverage better at the back end. Uh, look, run defense is a weird thing. This is one of the things that we're talking about a lot in NFL, um, NFL centric direct messages and messaging with one another is the concept of, you want the other team to run the ball as much as possible because so many more bad things can happen to your defense when they throw it than when they run it. 100%. And the ability to, to, to force the other team to run the ball by being able to shut down their pass is like like chef's kiss. That's well, what you want. Well, and just the lines just are this way, Riz, it's a, it's a, it's a pass-first league. Take away the pass, right? Yeah. Make them do what they don't want to do, period. I mean, that, that's I right. mean, it's a very oversimplified. Unless, you, unless you've got Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry – like you're not going to run as your primary form of offense. Otherwise you're going to lose a lot. <laughs> so up- upgrading the pass defense and specifically the, the, the deeper field coverage and, and being able to create turnovers. That was the number one thing, thing that they needed to upgrade at safety. They got arguably the best ball Hawk safety in the entire draft. And they got it at 97 overall. Yeah, I'll take that. Yep. Got to say hey to Mac Robinson. Mac is out there. Saw you in Mac. the chat, Mac. What's up, brother? Miss you from Sierra. Well, Mac's a great guy. Great guy, folks. Check him out. Find him on Twitter. Get his stuff. Get going. Um, also, yeah, uh, Mac, Mac messaged me when that pick happened that he he wanted. So he's a Browns guy, Cleveland guy. Yep, yep. He, he really wanted Kirby Joseph a couple things later. <laughs> <laughs> I want to really oh, quick. There's a message. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> I really quick want to get likes. Let's get the likes over 100. I'm going to give you the tip to make your margaritas blue, lion's blue, on this Cinco de Mayo. After I take a sip here, I'll watch those likes go up. Get us past 100, guys. Let's do that. And gals. Mm-hmm. All right. While you hit the like button and while you do that, the key to your margaritas Skip the triple sec. Just just don't even think about it. Go straight with blue curacao and get yourself a beautiful Honolulu blue margarita. You walk around. People won't know what the hell is going on. They'll taste it. They'll be blown away. And you, sir, will be the master of the party. You owe me a like. Click it now. All right. Moving up. By the way, if you want to get a little bit more Honolulu bluey rather than like um, windshield wiper fluid bluey, (laughs) clear tequila. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, silver. A good, a good uh, silver tequila yeah. will do it. Yeah. All right, uh, let's go. <laughs> um, I used orange bitters in here, which also gave it a little windshiper, windshield wiper blue. Um, all right, let's move on. We're into the top three picks now. This pick, un, I don't want to say underrated. I love the second round pick, number forty six from the Detroit Lions. This one is is a pick that I think people kind of place in a bucket that maybe shouldn't exist. Um, remember, we got Levi Anzarike last year, 41. We got Aline McNeil, 72. We got Josh Pascal from Kentucky. He's, is he edge? Is he defensive end? He's, he's, he's basically a five tech, right? He's, he's kind of an edge. He's kind of an end. He, he has, he can put him inside. This is the guy that here we go again. Ready? I'm not touching your fandom, but he's multiple. <laughs> he provides you many different 
options. And who doesn't love that? Pull him on the inside, put him next to McNeil. Let's say Anzarike doesn't work, right? McNeil on the inside. You got Hutchinson on one side. You got Rockwara. You got Jockwara, either one. I don't care on the other side. You've got yourself some serious action going on in that defensive line. This guy gives you some real flexibility and He's a hell of a strong player. I like Josh Pascal from Kentucky. His um, uh, play strength for the size that he is is unreal. He is a he's two hundred and sixty seven pounds, and he is a like a rock inside. He can jolt people when he hits you. He has one of the things that I loved about watching him was his hand placement when he gets into a, an offensive lineman. Always right at the bottom of the chest plate and always thrusting up. Mm-hmm. So that means the guy's instantly like popped up like that. That gives him a free range to go wherever wherever he wants yep. to go to get the ball. There's He's no, really, really good at that. There's no better place to hit somebody and move them and put them off balance. When they're moving up, it's over. It's over. Yep. You Part of being an offensive lineman, one of the key parts is your base being in your base and being with your weight on the ground light on your feet but your weight down you want to be you want to be able to to squat push shove hang if you need to all when you're in the air all that goes away you don't have control over the other player and you are now taking a ride wherever you need to go that move that move is huge that is a huge really good at it so where is he going to play as a rookie i don't know (laughs) (laughs) because he he He's a different style of player at the same position as the number one pick, um, but he's lighter. He sure plays a whole lot like Romeo Okwara. And is Romeo going to be back from his Achilles? I think so. It's been a long time. Uh, I And Michael Brockers is still around. He also plays that sort of role and has done it for a very long time. So I'm not sure how much he's going to play as a rookie. One of the thoughts that, that I've had is that they're going to ask him to get up to about 280 pounds and try to play him as the way Aaron Donald is used in Los Angeles. Not saying he's Aaron Donald, but that sort of undersized, like interior havoc raker, that's, he can be that guy. And again, brilliant, brilliant dude off the field. And, and if you haven't seen the dentist commercial, you got to watch it's, the freaking it's, it's, dentist it's commercial. Great. It's hilarious. It's great. The personality in these guys is big. And we'll, we'll, the next one, we'll talk about number two. It's a different yeah. kind of personality, but the personality in a lot of these guys is so fun. That is a great this guy. This guy, this guy is your instant fan favorite, like just incredibly gregarious, very intelligent, very carries himself very personably in public. He's approachable. Um, just talking to a couple people that I know that cover the Kentucky football program, they're like, "This is this is the best human being this program has ever produced," and that says a lot. He's a cancer wow. survivor; he overcame yeah. it. He's um, one of the guys told me if he wants to be governor of Kentucky someday, he will be. Like, like just very matter of factly, like that. That's the kind of guy that the, that this Lions team wants. And I, I love that. Uh, you just gave me a gut punch, buddy. Um, the cancer survivor thing is a big deal. Uh, I just got word. I, my, my, um, cousin's daughter's son. I, I don't do the math on that kind of stuff. Uh, seven year old boy just died of brain cancer this week. It was a really sad story. Really terrible. So Kingston, man, up to you. That, that brings out a lot of, a lot in people. I mean, this kind of thing is why we do the St. Jude thing every year, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's big stuff. 
Um, so, so this kind of stuff changes That's a person. Yeah, 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 yeah. This stuff changes a person, and uh, to see a guy like Pascal come back and 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 do what he does, and then be the personality is on top of it. Right. This is a guy that knows what life is, is enjoying life and having a great time with it. So uh, what am I drinking? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. It is Cinco de Mayo. It's a margarita. It is just agave syrup, a little bit of lime juice, blue carousel. That's the the lion's blue that you got there. Tequila and orange bitters. That's what makes up this uh, this wonderful, wonderful drink. If you ever do a margarita, I'll say again. Since you guys broke the like threshold, um, use blue carousel instead of triple sec and you'll be in lion's land all day long. Uh, Pascal Motor, Hutchinson Motor, uh, injured free, injury free Levi, a better Lee McNeil, both Aquara Brothers, healthy and Chris Harris, Charles Harris. Damn. Yeah, you're right. I mean, this you think about it, Riz, let's let's talk about the potential of this defensive line really quick since we're we're almost to the day to the end yeah, of the boys we have. Um this defensive line has the potential to be one of the this as good or better than the Sioux line, right? The potential. I'm not saying it's there, but the potential here, the ceiling on this line is better than the 2011, 2014 lines. This is something we haven't seen in a long, long time. Potential. You know, one of the things that you get is, and Todd, the defensive line coach, Todd Wash talked about this when he talked to Mike O'Hara, uh, which is an interview that you all need to watch, by the way, it's on the, it's on the Lions website um, and on their YouTube page. But he talked about being able to attack more with the players that he's got this year. The, the Matt Patricia defense was very much a read and react, a reactive defense. This isn't an aggressive. This is a proactive defense. They're going to, they're going to tell the offense, you can't do this. Like, we're taking this away. Figure out a better way to try and beat us, bub. And that's that, like, and the depth that they have. They can roll. Like, if, if Romeo Aquara goes down this year, God forbid, or if he isn't back, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're so much better equipped to handle these things now than they were a year ago. Like if, if Levi doesn't come back, which would suck, or, you know, he just doesn't have it. And that that's a very real possibility that we need to be prepared for. The Lions are prepared for it now too, with a guy like Josh. And that's, that's, that's all you can ask for. Um, again, I'm not sure he's going to play more than 30%, 35% of the snaps this year, but if learning behind a guy like Michael Brockers, Learning behind Romeo, who's like a self-made guy who was one of the rare players who fit the last culture and this culture, um, like that, <laughs> they, they can do some fun things here. Um, and it's going to make roster cutdowns this summer very interesting because there are going to be some guys who were playing pretty prominent roles last year who ain't going to make the team this year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So there you go, John Pascal. And, and, and you know, the question here from Lou Bega, I don't see much playing time for Brockers, mostly next to the cheerleaders this year. That's the funny part. Brockers is a good player, and he, he keeps getting left out of these conversations, even me, right? I mean, he, I, I forget. He'll, be the, he'll start. He's yeah. going to start. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, yeah. though, that with the players we got and the way things are, are starting to pan out, that it's like, oh, yeah, and Brockers. I'm telling you the the ceiling on this line this 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 could be such an incredible year for this defense and then I think about the um the strength of schedule at least based on last year you know we we have to do some recalculations here but if we play the strength of schedule that was that was in line with what last year is with the upgrades we have Riz 
it was the defense. I mean, think about it. How many games did we not win because the defense just couldn't get a stop because they'd been on the, 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 um, the force the takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. They've been on the field for way, way too long. This changes the whole calculus. This is a, this is a statistical leap for this team as long as the offense can produce. And let's get to that with pick number two overall in this draft. We have our. Man, number two, what a trade. Before we get to him, let's talk about the trade. Riz, 32-34, I was like pretty adamant in my thinking. I absolutely want both of those picks. That's two going to start players. End of story. I want scene at 32. That's where he wound up going, right? Uh, and yeah. I, <laughs> and, and, and it, <laughs> He would have been 32 in Detroit, too. Yeah. Have that under the authority. Oh, for sure. And then I want a wide receiver at 34 or, you know, yada, 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 down the line. Safety. Or, sorry, the uh, um, wide receiver at 34 receiver. potentially. Christian yeah. Watson went 34. Yeah. Didn't uh, want my cup of tea, but was a viable prospect. Yeah, 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 for sure. Good luck for to sure. him. Very much. Not really. <laughs> but to package those and then the second round pick and move up 20 positions and get 12. This was masterful. The, the Vikings fans recovered on day two of the draft, right? They they realized they got fleece. They were ready to burn us bank stadium down before day two. I mean, they were on their way. They had the, the, the pitchforks and the torches and the gasoline, the whole thing. And then, Day two started and they were able to make some moves. And it was like, okay, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll hold off. But we, we, our front office fleeced the shit out of the Minnesota Vikings. We took advantage of a rookie GM in the first draft. Did we ever? Um, um, I, I will not say negative things about Kwesi, the no. Adolfo Mensa, the, the, the Vikings GM. I like him a lot. I think he's going to be a problem. But Brad Holmes won Kwesi zero so far. <laughs> no doubt about it. So going up and getting Jamison Williams with that trade and getting 46 back. I think that I think I I was expecting when I first saw the trade that they moved up. I'm like, okay, 32. I I thought initially it would be 32, 66 and one of next year's first to go up. So the fact that they still have both first next year is a massive win on this. All of next year's picks are still there. We walked out of this draft and didn't give up. Anything from next not. year. That's so and great. That, that, that's huge. That that's a very big deal. But yeah, getting getting Jamison Williams. Look, I know he's injured. He should. At the worst case scenario is that he's back by week four. I think we can live for a little bit without that, and that's one of the reasons why having a guy like um, like DJ Josh Reynolds Shark, come DJ in, Shark, and then why DJ Shark is here. Like they have a little bit better depth this year, like quite a bit better depth at wide receiver. Where Khalif Raymond doesn't come out as your number two wide receiver, he might never play offense this year. He might just be the return man, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's he's good at it, and that's what he did in Tennessee. That's what he did in college. Like yeah. he's he's electrifying at that. That's how far up it is. Khalif Raymond was your number two wide receiver for a good portion of last year. He's like six now. And Jamison Williams, my goodness, tw- over 23 miles per hour GPS. That's unreal. The thing unreal. that I think we did that is the biggest part, and I see you out there. I see you not just kind of freeloading on this video and not hitting the like button. Just hit it. I'll stop saying it when you hit it. You just hit that like button. Mm. Helps us out. All right. The thing that... uh. <laughs> Um, 
the thing that I like about this and the thing that is, I think, the biggest impact that people people look at the pick and say, oh, yeah, Jamison Williams, this is this is awesome. Oh, we got a great wide receiver. What that does, though, is make a guy like DJ Chark, who used to be your number one, that's your number two, right? And you got Amon Ross St. Brown. I'm going to say he's your number three, and I'm, I'm, I'm wiggling numbers here a little bit. And then yeah. let's not forget about TJ Hawkinson. Let's not forget about Josh Reynolds. Let's not. Right. Holy cow. Like all these guys that were too high in the depth chart now kind of sit a little bit too low on the depth chart. Some of them. Right. And and this is this is a significant impact to your wide receiver room. This is a killer pick. I'm thinking third round before the draft. I'm like third round. Grab two. Grab two wide receivers. It's a deep class. We'll have we'll have a wide spread. We'll have a shotgun approach. Right. Holy sh! This makes it all different. This was a great move. I absolutely love Brad Holmes. My pants are so far off. They took Holmes with them. This is an awesome pick. I love this pick. I, I love that they identified what they needed on their offense. This is like Ben Johnson. When he talked to, to, to us local reporters at the combine laid out exactly what he wanted in a wide receiver. And other than being about 20 pounds lighter than ideal, James Williams is it. He wanted a guy who could stretch the field on the outside, reliably catch the ball, pull the safeties off. So TJ Hawkinson and Amon Ross St. Brown are your primary inside in middle of field receivers. They have that much more room. Think about a little Texas route now to, to DeAndre Swift come out of the backfield. <laughs> Who's going to be there? Because the linebacker has to carry Hawkinson. Amon Ross is going to come across and drag and get the attention. Like this Brock made, White, Brock Wright, wide open. No, sorry. I I honestly think one of the biggest beneficiaries of Jamison Williams getting this is DeAndre Swift as a pass receiver. I think it's going to create a lot more space for him on the field. Look, he's not good in tight spaces, but get DeAndre Swift in space where he's one-on-one with somebody running at him, he's going to make them look stupid. I won't disagree, but I'm going to yes and. I think the biggest beneficiary is Amon Ross St. Brown because we saw what happens with Cephas. Or Reynolds. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Did, did we mention Quintez Cephas anywhere? <laughs> we forgot that one, too, just like Michael Brockers. Oh, another great name. Very real chance he's not on the roster um, by by the start of training camp. Nuts, honestly. right? Nuts. Yeah. All of a sudden, Amon Ra, when did Amon Ra perform? When did uh, Jared Goff perform? When he had Reynolds and when he had Cephas. Those are when his numbers were here. When he when and I I can go look I got it I keep it with me here relatively handy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> completion rate was ten percent higher. Yards almost sixty yards a game more. Um, point yeah. two TDs versus two point oh. Point yeah. eight INTs versus point four. Right passer rating forty points higher. Um, double the air yards attempt almost. This is huge for Jared Goff and that was Cephas or Reynolds. You suddenly have Chark. <laughs> And Williams, this is a whole different move. This is going to be everything you ever thought that Jared Goff could be. And and you may think under what Jared Goff can be, but this puts the weapons there. We've we've said it before, and everyone's kind of said, oh, well, you know now you what you're getting in Jared Goff. You're going to get the old Jared Goff is what you're going to get. <laughs> he has too many weapons. Oh, not. Can you imagine? So- and, and, and so I'm not lamenting, right? I'm just going to say, can you imagine? Matthew Stafford with this setup. <clears throat> Can you imagine what the Lions would be with this defense 
And this offense, can you imagine what would happen with Stafford behind behind the wheel? Well, Why the hell did he want to leave? That, no. I, I, will, I will say to, <laughs> to, to pee in the Kool-Aid a little bit, it's a very young unit. There's going to be some growing pains for a lot of these guys. You're not going to have Williams. He's not going to get preseason. So you're not going to see him at his best in 2022. But 2023, 2024, when all those guys that you talked about other than Shark are still on the team, like, my goodness, the the high-end ceiling, and, and we talked about this, this is something that I wrote for Lions Wire. Um, we talked about it on Friday night last, last week with Ash. You're going to know whether Jared Goff is the long-term solution or not based on how he performs with this offense. And if he's not, you're set, you set the next guy up so much better than you had for Jared Goff when he got here to be set up and so much better than when Matthew Stafford came into the team when it was Calvin Johnson, Brandon Pettigrew, and a bunch of guys named Bob. Like, it's so much better to, for the next uh, – look at what's look at what's happening in Chicago. Like, Justin Fields, they're already like, oh, my God, can we please help this guy? Like, whoever comes in, whether it's Will Levis or, or uh, Jake Hanier or, uh, you know, whoever – um, that they get in the the middle half of the first round next year if if golf isn't the answer, like they're set, they're set up for instant success. Like that, that's all you can ask for as a quarterback. That's the, the, it, it's it's similar to what Joe Burrow walked into in Cincinnati, but with an actual offense like a top five offensive line. Like who? What quarterback isn't wanting? And by the way, there's going to be some free agent quarterbacks that are out there. You don't like the draft class? Ryan Tannehill's going to be out there. Baker Mayfield's going to be out there. A couple other guys are going to be out there that are veterans that can offer you a different look if you don't like who's there, there in the draft. Daniel Jones could very well be out there. There's going to be a lot of options, for, and it's going to be appealing, A, because people want to play for Dan Campbell. B, they're going to look, where else am I going to have all this at my disposal where I can walk in right now and start. Just, that's going to be incredibly appealing for a potential free agent. I'm just going to say with the pee and the Kool-Aid thing, you better check your proteins, brother. You got, you got, you might check the kids. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, my sister Doug's, Doug actually runs the drug testing for the, uh, the Cleveland clinic. So oh, I will uh, get it, get, pee for her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get a couple. By the way, she, she, she does uh, do the NFL drug testing for them. Um, and gets some information. And let's just say that, uh, there's a lot, a lot of people who are smoking way too much marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know what too much is. I'm not one to to draw a line. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's keep uh, rolling here. Number I guess one, so. J- Jamison Williams, Alabama wide receiver, Boy. number two great overall. Pick. Great trade. Great, great pick. pick. Great pick. Brad Holmes. I just want to give you a big freaking round of applause. I, I love that he went for it. I love that the organization empowered him to go for it. Yep. Yeah. 100%. And I, and and I will when you um, as I said earlier, we have a leadership video coming out here in the next couple of days I'm going to talk about the leadership in the front office. Um Brad Johnson just epitomizes that servant leadership mindset and when you and, when you make uh, a move like that with a division rival, you better believe that Sheila signed off on that. Oh yeah. And she could have she could have said no. Like, why are we doing this for our, like, what happens if Minnesota hits on all these picks? And by the way, they might. Yep, yep. Uh, I like what they did, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, th- that that's a risk that they were willing to take because they felt that strongly about their guy and their plan and how much he impacts. This was a guy, 
had he been healthy, was going to be the number four overall pick in the draft. He was going to be the first wide receiver taken. And he all these put- people are talking, oh, my God, he was the fourth wide receiver. We traded away all these picks, and we get the number four wide receiver in this draft. Pull your head out of the freaking cat box. Quit eating the chocolate things that are in there. That's not what they are. And wake up to the reality that this guy was going to be a top five pick if he was healthy. He would have Period. been in the conversation for the Lions at two, at two. if he was healthy. Yes, he would have. Period. He certainly was in the very, very prominent in the mix for the Houston Texans at number three. I can tell you that for a fact. I know the Giants loved him at five if he's healthy, but they could. They are not in a position to take that risk no. because they are like, well, first off, they they, they need the offensive line help, and they really liked Kayvon Thibodeau. And yeah. uh, by the way, I like Kayvon Thibodeau in New York. I think that's a good landing spot for him. For real, I think he, for real, is a good yeah, fit. Person, I, I really do. I think I think he's a guy that's going to embrace. All that is New York. Yep. And I don't think Aiden Hutchinson is that guy. Trayvon Walker sure as well wasn't that guy. It's not for everybody. It is for Kayvon. Good for him. One guy that also fell off the chart on the wide receiver list as we talk through him, Cleef Raymond. Well, he plays for the team too. And it's a great look. The more names you can forget, the better your team is. End of story. All right, let's move on to the other number one pick, the name that folks have been bandying about forever, was going to go first overall. Um, our guy, Brad Holmes, pulled on the old hoodoo voodoo, gotcha, gotcha, taboo, whatever whatever generation you're from. And uh, Scooby-Doo crawled in there and made them pick somebody else. And we wound up with Aiden Hutchinson. You may have heard of him. Uh, he was from Michigan. <laughs> he said, I think they call that the the edge position um evidently this guy can can kind of get towards the quarterback with some sort of regularity uh <laughs> riz hutchinson why do you hate this pick <laughs> i just do that i'm sorry you know i do that i just do that sometimes people will like well uh, i i i I, I don't, or that they might, they'll, they'll say, well, I mean, and they'll start trying to find the bad side to it. And they like, they take the bait. You just don't even, he, look, he's, he's not perfect. Um, he, he is going to have to be a little bit better at, at, at when he didn't have good games. And there's two that I can think of and, and everybody knows them because everybody watched them were Michigan state and Georgia. I will argue that he played okay against Georgia. The guy on the other side was absolute dog crap in that game, and he got no help from his secondary either, mm-hmm. uh, and, and being constantly double teamed by a bunch of dudes. And they, they were running you know free runners at him to, to try and slow him down. I think he did the best that he could. His teammates didn't capitalize on all the extra attention sent at him um, in the Georgia game. Michigan State game, he didn't play well. And one of the reasons he didn't play well was because he he consistently didn't win the battle with the initial arm. He, he, he does have the short arms. Michigan State's offensive line, and I'm not a Michigan guy. I'm not a Michigan State guy. I'm an Ohio Bobcat. I'm not a Buckeye. I'm a Bobcat. Get that yeah. in your freaking head. Were when I wear an Ohio Bobcat shirt to Meyer, don't say fuck your Buckeyes. I don't care. I'm yeah. a Bobcat. Wait, were you in my backyard yesterday? Scampering? I, I would love nothing more than a pet domesticated bobcat, but oh, so um, it was, they're, so they're, they're incredible animals. They're vicious, but I digress. All right, let's talk about as it. long as Aiden Hutchinson is your 
is going out and seizes the initial battle, and he's very good at that. I would say it's probably 80% win to 20% loss, which is a phenomenal ratio. That That's Indomitian Sioux territory in terms of being able to win that initial combat. He's really, really good. He's got to work on making that counter move when he doesn't. That's something that's a room for improvement. But like this guy, he's a phenomenal athlete. His drop rate is people. huge, though. His drop rate is off the charts, bro. Um, I mean, him, and he, he, the only one I saw that with a little bit better catch rate was Watson than Aiden Hutch. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I, I can, I can find little pieces, right? He's, but you can anybody that's coming out of the draft. One, one of the things that I love about him is what he understands how to finish very well. And we talked about with James Houston, that he's going to sometimes run past you instead of making the tackle. You never see that on Aiden Hutchinson film. If he gets you in his sights, He's going to be square. He's going to be under control, and he's going to get your ass on the ground. Yeah. And that's something that we have struggled with for a long time. Charles Harris, fantastic last year. He's got some of that James Hughes where he's going to beat it, and he's going to curl around the edge, but he's not going to be able to tighten it that tight, and he's going to get an arm on the quarterback, and maybe he'll hit the ball, but maybe he won't, and maybe the quarterback's going to boogie out and run 35 yards around the outside. You'll never see that happen with Aiden Hutchinson. And that's, that's one of the things that I love, aside from the fact that he's a very accomplished pass rusher and elite athlete, he has such good football body control for how he approaches it. And he can play under that control without sacrificing athleticism. That's that's Miles Garrett. That's Chandler Jones. That's that's rare, folks. Yeah. That's is better than Genevieve and Clowney. It's better than Mario Williams for guys that, that went that high. He is, I, I said it the other night, his floor is Chris Long, a guy who's going to get you between 8 and 12 sacks a year while being one of the best run defenders at his position in the league. That's his floor. Hell yeah. Give me that. All right. Really quick. You said beat it and tighten it that tight in the same sentence. And I like that in my defensive ends, my my, my edge guys do. <laughs> um, look, here's the thing. If you like that, hit the, the like button. Team. Hit the like button. I want to get it to 140. We're over. We're running over. We're over 13 minutes longer than we needed to run. We got stuff we got to do here. We do. But we still got to talk about the UDFAs. Yeah. And there's one in particular, Josh Johnson from Tulsa, that people want to talk about. So first off, I need you to get that from 127 to 140 right now. There's 250 people, 253 people. And it keeps going up. Get in there. Hit the like button. Help us out. You haven't hit the super chat button. That's okay. You don't have a couple bucks in your pocket. That's okay. Just hit the like button. Help us out. Hit the subscribe button if you want to see some more. That's always good as well. But pound the like button. He can keep it. Uh, keep this thing out there for folks and help us out by doing what you can do with a simple little click. Right. That's all. It's just a click. I understand. Inflation's high. Super chat's hard sometimes in the world that we live in. And we're here for you. We're here for you. All right. Exchange for like. We're gonna do Josh Johnson, Tulsa wide receiver. Go Riz. Go. Not the quarterback who's played for every team um, in the league, including the Lions. Uh, he's he's got a real uphill battle to even stick on the practice squad. And and let's be real about it. Last year they brought in three very prominent undrafted free agent wide receivers: Javon McKinley, uh, Jonathan Adams, and Chase. You know, Sage Surratt. Not Chase Surratt. That was the Sage. Sage Surratt. Yeah. <laughs> McKinley is the only guy who's still around and he got cut four times on last year's team. And he's starting ahead of this. We just talked about how Quintus Cephas might not stick around. It's going to be real, real hard for any wide receiver to crack the top six. That's just, that's just the reality of it. And, and look, he's got some interesting film. 
I can't say that I've I've studied Tulsa a lot. I watched their offensive line primarily when I was watching him. He did make some plays. He made a play. I want to say it was the North Texas game that I think he, he did really well. Uh, I did see them play a couple other games, but uh, he's not like he's just got he's got a real uphill battle on it. And by the way, he is not officially signed. One of the issues that the Lions have. They, after their draft pick Lama, they only had four open spots on the roster. Now that's that's caged by the fact or couched by the fact that they do have to actually sign their draft picks, so they technically the roster is open. But eighty six of the ninety spots were already spoken for. They paid four guys over one hundred thousand dollars to sign the team. Those four guys: Obina Easy, the offensive lineman from from TCU and formerly of Memphis; Kevin Jarvis from Michigan State, offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman. Uh, Greg Bell, the running back from San Diego State, and Derek Thies Jr., the tight end from San Jose State, are the only ones who have officially signed contracts. So all the other guys are there on rookie camp invites or tryout basis. They're not actually signed to the team. So that, that's an important factoid. It's really, really hard when you're not getting any signing bonus at all to make the team. I think A.J. Parker did do that last year. I don't think he got a signing bonus to join the team as an undrafted free agent. He made it and played, and God bless him, he played better than than expected. This is one (laughs) of the things I want to talk about. It's real hard for any of the the guys that aren't those four to to, honestly to get much of a sniff this year because the overall depth on the team is that much better. This is, and I'm going to give everyone a kind of heads up. That's another reason to hit the link button because we've got Jerry Jacobs coming on again. Um, Do you know what his guaranteed salary was last year when he signed? AJ? No, Jerry Jacobs. Jerry Didn't he get, I want to say he got 55,000. His guaranteed salary as a UDFA. Jerry Jacobs, remember what he turned into? Mm. $3,500. Think about that. The bet he made on himself to come to Detroit. And we're going to talk about that when we have him on the show here. Just a couple weeks. Um, Jerry, the the story of where these guys are and the mindset of where these guys are. That's when we talked to Jerry, that was one of the things we talked about, about doing the season, like our version of hard knocks, a guy who's kind of a bubble roster guy. He made the roster, how fun that was, how exciting it was. But to walk the story that nobody else tells. Everybody wants to tell the story about, you know, Aiden Hutchinson. Woo. And, and, I, and I don't want to downplay Aiden Hutchinson, right? He's a great player. He's earned everything he's got. But there's so many guys that are on this, this side of the roster that nobody gives a crap about until they're on the roster, make a play, whatever. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, they noticed him. I talked about him. No, 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 no. Jerry Jacobs is a guy we saw. Jerry Jacobs is a guy we knew had a lot of talent, and we wanted to walk his story. And we told him, I don't care if you wind up with the Lions. We want to talk wherever you end up because this is the story that none of these guys tell. No one in the media tells the story about the guys in the bubble until they make it big. Jerry's going to be back, and he's going to be able to start giving us some insight into the mindset of these guys. What are they thinking? Where are they at? What are they striving for? What scares them right now at this point in the season? They- what, what, what do you what do you weigh when you have multiple offers? Do you weigh more money? Do you weigh better opportunity? Do you weigh that this coach really liked me and I clicked with him when I talked with him in the pre-draft interviews? That, 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 I'm, I'm fascinated to ask Jerry. Where do you live when you're only guaranteed 3500 bucks? You'll think Jeff about what <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> Jerry, Arkansas, right? He's in Arkansas. He's moving to Detroit and he's got to live. And all he knows he's going to have in his pocket is thirty five hundred fribbing dollars. That's people don't realize 
Aiden Hutchinson deserves all the money he's going to get. He's going to walk in. He's got no questions about money, no worries about money, nothing. But a guy like Greg Bell, a guy like Josh Johnson, what do they do? They're making the biggest bet on themselves that any person can make. You know what I mean? So big, so huge, such a big deal. Okay, I want to hit this last thing, Riz, and we'll roll out of here. We'll get into that with Jerry. I'm telling you, it's going to be a great episode. This is going to be, it's going to be all in your feels. It's going to be in a place where as much as you love Jerry, as much as you you know who he is, this is one of those things that's going to tell you about the heart of a man who has made that bet. And you're going to see the story of these guys who are there. And this is why. I love Jerry, right? This is this is why the whole thing with seatbeltgang.com is all about what? It's not about right rewarding the kids that did great, not because they're doing well, but because they get rewarded. The kids who fight against all odds and do their best and give it their all and grind harder to get to a place of success. That's something those kids, they need to understand that there's a reward for that because that's pulling yourself up, pulling yourself out. That's the kind of motivation that you need when you're in, in that kind of place and to help kind of bring that message to kids and help them out. That's what we want to do. So that's what we're working on. That's that's that whole thing. I want to talk about what Aqib Talib said about the Detroit Lions. Make sure you hit the like, subscribe, all those things. Cool. Yeah. What well, week 14, right? I think it was against the cards and then we beat the snot out of those bird bastards. What did he say? Offensive line. Well, it's a strength when we're healthy. First round pick. This team needs to take Aiden Hutchinson. Right. Uh, late second round, maybe trade up, get yourself a top wide receiver. And then Jared Goff, he gets one more year to show he's the quarterback. If you can't tell me that Aqib Tlaib can see the future, holy shit, right? This guy they landed. They put it up on a gra- like an actual graphic on the Fox broadcast. Like, I, I like Aqib Tlaib. He's, he's got a different style of presentation. I happen to like it. It reminds me more of basketball, which I watch an insane amount of. Like for fun, I watch basketball. Yep, yep. Um, but he, he's a he, a keep sleep. Very smart guy. Like, it, and I actually tweeted. I I, I checked out that before the he did another game earlier in the year, and I remember commenting like he really did his homework on this team. Like he yeah. under like he knows he knows what's up. It, it's, this isn't Chris Myers not knowing how to pronounce the name of Goff. Like this guy knows what the hell he, you know, Chris Myers mispronounced his own freaking name. That's how unprofessional he is. Yeah. Like give, give a kid to leave a lot of love. Uh, he's, he's a little unorthodox. He's a little different. I happen to like it. And I think he's a rising star. I, yeah. I, I love listening to his calls. His, uh, his brain, Gus Johnson, who I can't stand. And I'm, I'm, I'm even happier. <laughs> yeah. Keep to leave his brain is just, Freaking top shelf. He needs he, his delivery needs to work, but that comes with time. I mean, if I look listen back to to podcast number three, <laughs> right. it, it, and I worked it, in radio yeah. in Detroit for a number of years, it, it takes time. That's okay. Um, yeah. I got to say, welcome to the Detroit Lions podcast, Winter Circle, William Laprat. Thank you for joining as a member. Hit me up on the contact form on the website DetroitLionsPodcast.com. We'll get you in the Slack. You'll enjoy that. That's a great, great time. Also. Lion Orr of Douchebagia. Thank you for the super chat. Thanks for the great <laughs> content, guys. Hell of a draft. Hashtag one pride. You got it. You named it. All right. Mem- member, hit the join button below. Do that for us. The super chat. Thank you. That's all going towards that 4K thing. We appreciate all your subscribers. All you guys who've liked, gals, liked, subscribed, all those things. It means 
a ton. We've got a lot of great, great content for coming, uh, coming for you guys. Absolutely, do. It's going to be a lot of fun the next few weeks. I, I look back; we haven't missed a show a week since the twenty-four hour show and, and during the bye week that we did the St. Jude thing. And before that, it was July of last year. Is we've been cranking non pretty good. Sometimes four times a week. So I just want everyone to know: week of the twenty-third to the twenty-seventh, we're taking a break of May. June 13th to 17th, we're taking a break. And the week of the 4th of July, we're taking a break. So we're going to get three weeks of vacation from the podcast this year. But don't worry. Uh, we'll have, I have a feeling we're going to have a couple of uh, videos and a couple of other things for you guys going on during those weeks to, to keep you busy because we just can't get away. We love you too much. <laughs> There's, I, I, I'm, so uh, just as a heads up, the middle week of that, I will be in a hotel room in one place or another that entire week. Um, I'm not sitting in my hotel room and not talking lines. So right, right. <laughs> Last thing, Hutchinson doesn't have JJ Watt's size. Watt was two ninety, about thirty pounds heavier than Hutch. That's right. And yeah, Watt wound I'm, up carrying a lot of weight and a lot of injury <laughs> potentially. And they also don't play the same spot. Yeah. Hutchinson's going to play more outside. JJ was a four eye primarily, and when he played for the Texans at his best, uh, so they didn't use him in the way that that Watt that uh, that Hutchinson's going to get. Hutchinson's going to play a lot of standard. Um, in-line, four-man line defensive end on the strong side where the tight end is. That's that's my prediction for where he's going to wind up being. Brother, Micro Mike. Stand-up pass rusher. Micro Mike is, didn't do that much. Sorry to mean to step on you. Micro Mike yeah. is live. As soon as we finish up here, go over, check hey, him out. He go is to Micro awesome. Mike as soon as we're done here. And he we're is, almost done. He so. is awesome. Don't forget about some Patreon. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Access to the Slack chat, the most intelligent Lions chat on the internet. We've got the Discord going as well. That's cool. You need five bucks a month donation to get into the Slack, just so you know. Uh, one buck will get you into the Discord. That's automatic, automatic but the, the Slack is, is it tends to be where the awesome stuff is. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter at DET Lions Podcast and at Jeff Risden, as you see spelled there. DET Lions Podcast. Push us. We're only 100 away from 5,000. I just happened to look today. I'm like, oh, wow, big number coming. So uh, at DET Lions Podcast, give us that follow on Twitter, please. Also, give us a call on Skype, Detroit Lions Podcast, all one word, Detroit Lions Podcast, or call us in the Lions line at 929-33-LIONS, 929-335-4667, and leave a message. We'll get, you, we'll get your stuff on the air. Be sure to go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com, subscribe to the podcast so we can do what, what, what do we do? So we can come into your ear holes automatically. Damn right. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to see you next time with the Detroit Lions podcast. Remember, no marinara, no pants, no toasters, no hot tubs, no problems, because we're your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. Thank you all for joining us again. We love you. Final seconds winding down, and look at that. How Big is that? Chris and Case out of time. Pack the bag, start the plane. This show is over. You've had enough of that shit.